Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Pop Podcast, your weekly conversation to improve your points of performance in training. This week, our special guest is the godfather of the double under. Well, not exactly, but David Newman is the founder of RX Smart Gear. They've not only revolutionized the jump rope for CrossFit, but also the art of teaching athletes to master that tricky but necessary skill, the double under. After chatting with Dave, turns out single unders are back in vogue, and we've also got plenty of new tricks to try, even drills to master our double under crossovers. We also love Dave's perspective on all things training. So whether you're yet to master your dubs or don't even miss a beat seeing 500 in a workout, this one's for you. David Newman, thank you for joining us. I must admit, I personally went down a bit of a rabbit hole after the CrossFit Games investigating this new phenomena known as the double under crossover, which led me to you and the RX Smart Gear story. Now, the brand and your company, it's such a great example of things starting small and from little things, big things grow. So take us back to the very beginning where and how you started RX Smart Gear. Yeah, it was um, really just... uh you know, blind fortune. Um, A buddy dragged me into CrossFit back in 2008, early 2008. um, And, you know, fell in love like everybody else. Hated it at first and then uh, fell in love, uh, you know, after the first day and have been doing it ever since, you know, my wife and I both uh, have been at the same gym now for over 14 years. Um, But Sometime, um, the dates are a little bit sketchy because everything really started off as, as just, um, you know, kind of a, a garage hobby, a little quirky garage hobby. So I, I got pretty decent at most things CrossFit, um, except double unders were really a struggle and it just bugged me, um, you know, badly. So I just wanted to try and you know, solve my own issues and, you know, my wife and I both have a gymnastics coaching background. And so, you know, we understand movement very well and we understand apparatus. And, you know, I just figured that's something that, you know, I should be able to resolve. Yeah. So I uh, just, just started tinkering in my garage and I would buy jump ropes uh, from, from this sporting goods store. I would take them to the gym, try them out and, um, you know, have a little bit of success, but really no consistency. And that happened uh, several times. And so then I just started picking and choosing the the different qualities I liked from each rope and trying to combine those into one and, um, you know, started testing it out on myself and then testing it out on my, my gym buddies and then the rest of the membership. And it really just snowballed from there. And, um, just, you know, we, we kind of got in, in the early days of CrossFit and grew up with the sport. So that pretty much was the beginning. It's um, it's funny that you mention your <laughs> story with double unders. I feel like, I lived the exact same journey. One of the first things that when I first started CrossFit, I feel like I was able to kind of pick up everything really well. Like I'd done sport my whole life. So, you know, things kind of came like quite easily, but double unders for like two and a half, three years, I could not string more than 10 together. And it was one of those like infuriating things where it just, I wish I had a you back then because I feel like that would have been a far quicker journey. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's amazing how, and that's what I found as well. Uh, Riz, is that, is, is that, can I call you Riz? Is that sure the appropriate nickname? It is. Okay. Awesome. Um, what I found out is that, um, yeah, you and I were not alone. There are, you know, hundreds of thousands of other people, maybe millions that were experiencing the same thing. And back when I started, um, you know, YouTube was around most other social media platforms were not, but Mm. YouTube was around and I, I hunted and searched for whatever I could find that would help teach me something that made sense. And they never really found anything that, um, was consistent, right. Nothing really had. Uh, a set protocol with, uh, you know, foundational elements and then brought you through a progression. And that's what we were used to from our gymnastics days. Mm. And so that's what I just developed for myself just out of a selfish need. Um, And yeah, and found out that there were so many other people that were experiencing the exact same thing 
Um, so it was really luck and timing, you know, that things kind of uh, happened the way they did. That's it. There's no kind of skill progression to getting your double unders with gymnastics. There's You can kind of pair back a lot of the movements. You've obviously met a lot of people who can't do double unders. What do you say now to them or do you have kind of a process that you go through to teach someone who's really struggling with double unders? Yeah, well, so when you just said that there isn't, uh, there isn't a progression, there absolutely is. We've been developing it and refining it for more than a decade now. We've been teaching around the world for over a Teach decade us. our uh, methodology. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'd be happy to. I'd be happy to. Yeah, no, our, our, um, our teaching methodology is, is so structured and, and specific about p- proper positioning, proper biomechanics, proper equipment, how it should fit the body, learning timing, all the nuances. I mean, all the things that we're really missing, um, we, I, we covered it. You know, that's something that was very important to me just because I was my own test case. I, I really needed to figure these things out. And when I kind of get um, stuck on a, on a goal or on a tangent, as my <laughs> wife would say, um, you know, I just, I won't come out of, uh, I won't come out of that tunnel until I figured things out. And so, and we're still refining it and, and, and improving on it, but um, it's very vetted. We've actually used our, our teaching uh, processes with all of the top athletes. We've worked with all the CrossFit champions over the last 10 years. Uh, we're friends with all of them and, and have gotten a chance to work with, you know, most all of them. So, um, so we've been able to test it at the highest levels um, as well as the, you know, brand new beginner who's never turned, um, one double under we, we get them, which they're honestly easier to work with because usually they don't have habits that we need to strip away, right? We can start them from scratch, give them all the right structure and, you know, they, they take off and, you know, with these high, high level athletes, what we found is they're, they're able to just learn things or teach themselves things out of sheer athleticism without any concept of what they're actually doing. Like they could, they could do it, but they couldn't turn around and teach it to somebody else. And we would encounter that day in, day out with all of these, you know, games, games athletes. So, um, so our teaching process, we, we call it the RX method, um, allows people to do that. Like once you learn it from us, you're able to turn around and, and uh, help somebody else. And that was important to us. We wanted to make sure that we were, you know, le- sending that message down the, down the path to help other people. I think that's a really good point and that was I guess I'm you know I've been a CrossFit coach for the last um nine eight eight nine years now and it was that same thing it was like I couldn't master it myself and then trying to teach it was also felt like it was impossible and having the process I mean with everything in training and being a coach, everything has a process weightlifting gymnastics you know we break down all of those fundamental movements and, you know, back nine years ago, I, that was like something that really didn't exist. And you guys kind of just brought that into the whole realm of CrossFit and training, which is so incredible. And I mean, everyone has like their own method of like finding a particular rope and the right size. But from your experience, how can our listeners make sure that they are getting the right rope for them? Because I do know that that's still, you know, a very important factor in learning how to start doing double unders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know what amazes me, Riz, for, for you know, I, again, crossfitting for over 14 years, traveling the world, um, getting to meet so many crossfitters around the world and, and visit other gyms. And it still amazes me that, um, you know, CrossFitters for the most part get it wrong, still get it wrong every day. And their coaches, bless their coaches, they have great intentions, um, they mean well, they get it wrong every day and lead people down the wrong path. And, you know, when we get the opportunity to show them uh, how to get things started the right way, it's mind blowing, right? Everything makes sense. You see the immediate improvement and people start understanding what we're talking about. But so I'll give you uh, the nutshells. Um, most crossfitters think they need a speed rope. It's the absolute worst thing they could use is a speed rope. Uh, yeah, I know everybody it's starts hilarious. with one. They think, well, if I can get the rope to go faster, then I can yeah. get the two rotations in, right, with the same jump. When actually you want to do the opposite. You want to slow down. 
Everybody thinks double-unders are supposed to be fast. I don't know where they got that idea, but they're not. Double-unders are supposed to be learned slow and methodically, and then the mm. correct double-under speed is whatever speed you want in that mm. moment. You need to be able to control mm. that, right? Depending on what your goal is. So um, I use, you know, I've known I've known Rich Froning for, you know, now, gosh, since 2010. We met at the games in 2010, so over 12 years. And I like to use him as an example that if, if you watch Rich double under in any workout, when he was an individual, now with teams, whatever it may be, he has the same pace. He's like a metronome and he has the same pacing every single time. And I've studied Rich and I've gotten to work with him a little bit and we're, we see each other multiple times a year. Um, and, uh, and he will do a, a hundred double unders in 60 seconds and it's like his heart rate doesn't even skip a beat. His heart rate just stays flat line. He's not spiking. He's not developing tension in his shoulders and his forearms. And he'll do 100 double-unders in 60 seconds, which is what we promote as an ideal tempo. Mm. 50 double-unders in 30 seconds or 100 double-unders in about a minute or just under a minute, between 55 seconds to a minute. That's a phenomenal pace. Um, and And – that's what you need to learn how to do, right? To go mm. unbroken. We always say it's better to it's better to go unbroken mm. than to go fast. Mm. Um, just the, the the risk versus reward. Uh, not to say you shouldn't train fast. We you absolutely should train fast, but understand what uh, you know what a methodical tempo is. So, so that's first thing. People choose a speed rope because they think the rope needs to go faster, and that's why they don't learn good timing and they learn a lot of bad mechanics with their arms and their positioning. It throws them into bad mechanics. So. They don't want a speed rope. They they want a heavier cable. So to give you a comparison, a typical speed wire, a thin speed wire weighs about one ounce. Like just the cord alone mm. without the handles weighs one ounce. And the cord that we really believe is the best all around uh, weighs a little over three ounces. We say between three to four ounces is yeah. the ideal weight. Because with that, it will allow you to slow the rotations yet still feel connected to the rope and feeling connected is important because your internal, your internal eyeball is trying to see where that rope is mm. moving around you. Right. And mm. you, you do that through your feel, your, your sensation in your fingertips. And so a heavier rope allows you to slow down and track that rope's location, which helps you develop a better sense of timing when to jump out of the way. Um, so, so that's what we like to start off with. Uh, heavier cable and the right length. Everybody gets too long of a rope. Immediately they go for too long of a rope. Uh, they think the rope needs to measure up to their armpits or something ridiculous. And what they don't realize is they're just, they're starting a series of dominoes that are going to fall, uh, that will lead you down the wrong path because a longer rope is going to contact the ground too far in front of your feet, right? There's an optimal space that the rope should lightly graze the ground in front of your feet. And, and that's about 10 inches. Okay, I don't know what <laughs> centimeters, how many centimeters that is, but about 10 inches. Oh, we're not good at the conversion either. Don't worry. <laughs> I, okay. So, well, so we say about, about a shoe length, right? About an average shoe yeah. length, right? A size 10 for a guy, right? About 10 inches is the, is the optimal spot that the rope, the bottom of the arc should come down and graze the ground in front of your toes right when you leave the ground. That's what you're trying to make happen. So if you get too long of a rope based on your, your height or your stature, the rope will hit much farther out than that. And you'll feel that, that messiness in front of you and it'll cause a lot of tripping. Mm -hmm. So what people naturally do is they push their hands away from their body to bring the rope in closer. And once mm -hmm. they feel the rope now passing through cleaner, they think that's the right place to be, right? So they just adjusted their whole mechanics to to fit a, a poorly sized rope now they're now those are your shoulder turners those are the people that burn out mm. their shoulders right and get completely you know exhausted within within 25 to 30 double unders and their consistency level is always lower too because now that you're holding your handles farther away from your body yet the point where you're trying to get the rope past in front of your toes is, is only 10 inches in front of you. you you've just moved farther away so your accuracy decreases as if instead of if your hands were closer to your body, closer to the point of contact. So, you know, it's just basic physics. It's almost common sense physics. It's nothing, you know, super exciting about it. It's just really common sense. 
it's funny because everything you're saying, I'm like, I did all of these things wrong. <laughs> I'm also thinking though, sure. like I love double unders and, you know, can do a hundred and something unbroken. But now I'm like, I want to investigate everything that I'm doing because I don't think I do any of that. And as a coach too, I'll admit, I don't know how to teach someone. I'm like, oh, you just got to practice. You just got to practice. And now I'm like, I wish I could take that all back because it's not, it's not that. And there's so much more behind it. And I, as an athlete, I'm now like, teach me your ways, David. Yeah, absolutely. So the cool thing, Britt, is that um, you, that's fantastic that you feel confident about your double unders and, you, and, you're, and you're good at them, but you could always be better. That's the beautiful thing about CrossFit. We can always be better. We could always be refining. Um, you know, if you're comfortable with what you're doing now, then you need to start exploring some some other variables that will just improve what you're doing, right? And really, that's about exposure. Like, you know, I explained that that a three ounce cable between a three to four ounce cable is the best weight for a beginner. Well, I want to also add on top of that, it's the best weight for everybody. I don't care if you're super advanced or if you're a games athlete. We want athletes to train with resistance at all times because that conditions you to become efficient with more weight in your hands, right? Mm. Uh, and the other thing that CrossFitters get wrong is that they always think that they're more efficient by using a lighter rope, okay? And the analogy I try and use to open up their, their way of thinking is if you – we're doing Fran, right? 21, 15, nine barbell thrusters and pull-ups, typically 95 pounds for men, 65 for women. If you're doing Fran, but you get the opportunity to do Fran with a PVC pipe and you're doing the same range of motion, the reps, the reps look great, same range of motion, but with a PVC pipe, that's the equivalent of always training with a light speed rope every day. That's what you're doing to yourself, right? You're getting the reps done. You're not gaining a whole lot from it. So the two things that we really stress to, you know, especially our competitive athletes, train as heavy as you can, as often as possible, and train yourself to the shortest rope possible. It's, you're exactly right. And then you go and bring out a drag rope. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It just changes the game. It changes the game again. And yeah. for somebody who's only ever used a speed rope, like that was how I had, that's how I learned. And I'm lucky that I ended up being able to become more efficient with it. But then you bought the drag rope out. And I was telling Britt before I was at the Torian Pro on a team yeah. and the drag rope came out for the first time and I died. I died because <laughs> I did not have the strength and I that's did not awesome. have the ability to turn it. It was incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's train yourself, uh, to the heaviest rope as often as possible and the shortest rope. And when you train yourself to the shortest rope possible, like literally try and use a child sized rope, it's, it's doable. Um, I use a child sized rope on the regular. And when you can do that, that opens up the whole world. You could now mm. walk into any gym, grab any rope off the wall, not even look at it and go out and get through a workout. No problem. You know, it won't be optimal. Like, you know what your optimal is. And that's what we train the athlete. Know your optimal, use it, you know, whenever money's on the line or trophies on the line, you're in a competition, use your optimal every chance you get. And then the rest of the time you're training, don't use optimal train yourself with everything else just so that you can be adaptable. Cause to us, that's more important to be adaptable. And so, yeah, and that, that'll just make you a much more well-rounded athlete. So, And what's your opinion then on this single under? Should we be practicing that just as often to be good at oh, God, yes. anything we're thrown? Oh, God, yes, absolutely. So, you know, a single under is, um, I mean, the single under is your core positioning, right? Like it's the proper core positioning with your, 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 your torso, your arms, your shoulders, your elbows. All of that kind of really sets your foundation. And then from there, depending on the skill you're trying to do, whether it's a double or a triple or a crossover, then it's just changing your elevation and rope speed, really, right? So um, even though singles and single unders and double unders are two entirely different skills, we have to like remind people of that. They, they just look the same. The positioning looks exactly the same, but they're two completely different skills 
in the way they feel, the timing of it, the tempo of it, the coordination of it. That's why you have people who've been doing single unders for five years of their CrossFit journey and they still can't do two double unders, right? Mm. They're great at single unders. So, uh, and then, and then vice versa, we'll see just like at the games this year. And I know, I know you were there, Britt. I saw a lot of your, uh, a lot of your reporting was awesome. Um, <laughs> but we saw games athletes who stopped practicing single unders, didn't see the importance of it. And they struggled trying to do 75 unbroken single unders. Like that was ridiculous. I, I, you know, I mean, I, I don't like to see my friends and heroes struggle, but it was a beautiful, uh, you know, eye-opening experience for them that that's something that, that should be just, you know, that should be like doing a thruster with a PVC pipe. It shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. yeah. I actually, this is quite a selfish question, but um, I've started bringing a lot more single unders back into my training. But the arches of my feet seem to really, it's not the doing the 75 unbroken that's a problem for me, but I find I never have, pain in my feet when I do double unders but when I do single I wonder how my technique changes or what I do differently do you have any insights you know um typically when you're doing single unders you're not bouncing as high so it's interesting to me that you would find um, pain from singles and not doubles just because with a double under typically you're elevating higher on the ball of your foot right really contracting your calves and achilles so that you get a bigger stretch reflex every time you Every time you impact the ground, right, your calves and Achilles have that that strong, tight stretch snap, right. And when you're yeah. doing single unders, you don't need to get that high off the ground, so your your calves and Achilles are already in a more stretched position. So that's really interesting. I'd have to watch you and see if what's happening there, but I, I don't know right off the top of my head why yeah. why that would be. Um, I just I just yeah, thought it was it could, interesting. <laughs> Well, it also could be that you might be doing, you know, people often at gyms. In fact, I just talked to the owner of our gym is one of my best friends. You know, he's same owner for, you know, he's been an affiliate owner for 15 years. And, and I, I've been a member there for 14 and a half of them. And, um, and I had a talk with him today because he's a very old school guy. You know, I love him to death, but he's an old school guy. Um, he's been to the games twice. He was, he was part of the first class of masters athletes to compete in the games in 2010. That was the first year that they brought masters to the games. You had to be 50 years old and above. And he actually podiumed that year, took third. Um, so very experienced guy, very knowledgeable guy, but still very old school in that at our gym, if you don't have double unders, then the, the requisite scale is three times the amount of single unders, three times the amount. Yeah. I'd be there and, all day. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I explained to them. I mean, in the old day, coaches would do that because it was a little bit of a punishment. Like, hey, you, you should be incentivized to try and learn double unders so that you don't have to do three times as many single unders. Mm. Um, so it used to be kind of a, a, you know, an incentive to want to get off of them. But um, I, I just don't like that. I don't believe in it. And it's his gym. So I'm very careful to like not tell him how to do his job uh but today we had a talk and i finally brought it up i said i really i really wish you would consider just doing you know two two single unders for every one double under because it's the same amount of rotations and technically you're you're impacting the ground twice as much right it's to me it's more tiring and doing 300 is way more tiring i could do 100 double unders much quicker and with less effort than doing 300 single unders. And yeah. we've, we've timed them and compared them. So we had yeah. that discussion and, and he was surprisingly for an old guy, he was open to, uh, to hearing me. And the suggestion, the suggestion I gave him was, you know, just do two times the amount of single unders and just require that the last five reps are double under attempts, just make them mm. attempts and let that be your mm. scale. Right. Uh, and so, so he's going to consider it. You know, he took it under advisement. He'll consider it. We'll see where we go with that. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's, um, it's no, funny. I was just going to say when I'm coaching in class, and I think I've heard you say this as well, like a time domain can be appropriate. So I'll usually look and say for 100, I'm like, okay, about 60 seconds. So yeah. if it's an athlete who, you know, is already pretty fit and doesn't need that fitness test, like let's practice your double unders for 60, 60 seconds in the middle of that workout. If it's someone who's pretty new and they want that that fitness aspect, yeah, let's do single unders for a minute. But I just didn't know what your 
approach or best approach was to scaling workouts uh, for, say, new athletes who want to get a double under, but they're just not quite there yet to bringing them into workouts? Yes, love it. That's a great question. And, you know, and that, the thing with CrossFit gyms and, and coaches and what I hope more coaches will do is, is just like you described, when your athlete comes in, you get to know them, right? Whether it's Sally or Rob or Lisa or Bob, right? You get to know them individually. You understand kind of what their goals are and, you know, how, how much of a go-getter are they, right? Do they really want to tackle and learn these new skills or do they just want to get in, get sweaty, you know, get the workout done and then get home, you know, whatever it might be. So when you, when you understand what each person's goals and objectives are, then you can start appropriately scaling them individually. And it's just a matter of having more tools in your tool bag. So I, I would only recommend having people do single unders as the scale if they need to improve at the skill of single unders, right? So they can really hone in their positioning, hone in their timing uh, and, and their um, coordination. So if we're still trying to hone that in, great, let's stay on single unders until the single unders are where we need them to be. When we're ready to start um, trying out double unders, then we have a couple different directions we could go. And again, it kind of depends on the individual and, and how they want to lend that to their workout, right? Because the problem with any time you're trying to improve a skill during a workout, it just doesn't happen. Too many people are they want to just, they're racing the clock, they're racing their best friend, you know, and it's go, 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 go. So it takes a lot of maturity to go, okay, I'm going to go hard on the pull-ups and hard on the burpees and hard on the kettlebell. And when I get to double unders, I'm just going to have an objective to try and do X, Y, Z, whatever it might be for skill improvement, right? So you really got to know your, your athlete. Um, but some of the things you can do with them are, you know, whatever the number of uh, double unders are in the workout, have them do that same number of single unders, but the last five or 10 reps, make them, make them double under attempts, right? So, mm. so that way their time domain should stay pretty similar. I like your idea of just take that same time domain and, and just do double under attempts. But I, I really dislike when people do attempts blindlessly, mm. like they need to have an objective that they're trying to do. And it might be Hey, Sally Sue, remember last time I saw you do double unders, you're really letting your hands get away from your body. So, you know, when you do your attempts, your goal is to be very upright and tall with your hands under your shoulders and use your peripheral vision to find your hands on every rep. You should see your hands on every single rep of, of a rotation and, you know, give them something object, objective to try and improve rather than just knock the reps out. Right. Um, so. Breaking it up that way is great. Um, you know, just make them do so many um, uh, attempts. Oops, sorry, that's our that's our do our dog trying to get to mama. So um, we love dogs on this yeah. podcast. It's all good. Don't worry. Uh, we, we have a loud Weimaraner too. It's a very vocal Weimaraner that uh, loves mama. So um, so the other thing that we really like is um, doing tempo bounds. And the way we go about tempo bounds is we have a, a tool that's. Uh, it's a telescoping rod with a yellow ball on the end and a magnet on the other. And it telescopes out pretty long. It's about four feet long. So you would magnetize it to your pull-up rig and it's got a Velcro strap to kind of secure it a little tighter. And you want to put it about 10 to 12 inches above your athlete's head and you make them bound up and make contact, right? So they're going to bound really high and start working on their bound efficiency, learning how to keep their spine neutral, their core engaged and get accurate just bounding. Right. So that's that's all the work of a double under. That's all a double under is. Right. It's just explosive plyometrics. So we get to work on that skill. And then the other thing that we'll add to that, once they're pretty consistent at that part, then we'll add we have tempo trainers and they're like little maracas. There's little bottles that have beads in them. So they make when you shake them, they make a sound. Right. So now we want them to get their hands in position, in their jumping position, right outside their pockets and now bound up hit the ball, shake twice, and that's a double rotation, right? That's the rope moving twice. And so now they can be in proper mechanical position, doing the explosive movement, and they can do, if it's 50 double unders, do 50 tempo bounds. And they're doing all the same work as a double under without tripping, stopping, starting over, getting frustrated, that type of thing. So I love tempo bounds. You put somebody on those for a couple of weeks, they'll understand what a double under should feel like. And when you put a rope in their hands, 
no problem, right? So that's a great scale for somebody. It's um, interesting that you say tempo bounce because, I mean, one of the main issues that I see in classes and just with people in general pop learning how to do double unders is the difficulty in bounding in general. You see a lot of, like, pulling knees up and donkey kicking and, like, trying to, I guess, get themselves as far away from the rope as possible. Um, right. Trying to get people to understand how to just jump like a little bit higher. I love that, like the, the having the something for them to reach for it. That's such a cool drill that I'd never thought of because not everybody like instinctively knows how to bound in like a nice, perfect body position. Sure. Um, so it's something that I definitely see happen all the time. Is there, if somebody is like a, de, like a definitive donkey kicker, even when they are trying to bound, is there a solution you have for that? Yeah. So yeah, you know, somebody donkey kicks and, and dolphin kicks and, and all of those things um, typically, be, typically, like you said, they're, they're really trying to miss the rope, right? That they, they don't know, they don't know how to control the rope's location because they don't have control of their arms, right? And so the, the rope is coming down at the wrong place. And so typically people that have their hands forward of their hips, if, if your hands are you know, out too forward of your hips, that makes the bottom, the bottom arc of the rope misplaced too far in front of you. That's why people will pike. That's our dolphin kicker, mm. they'll pike, right? To try and miss the rope when it comes down. And then people whose hands like to fly backwards um, the rope is coming down at their feet, and that's why they donkey kick to get their feet out of the way, right? So it it's just understanding. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it really is. It's common sense. So it's just it's understanding where your position should be, learning how to stay there, and then cueing in on where that rope should contact the ground. And so you know the two things that we we get people to do is immediately get in position and make the rope contact the ground. So if you're in position and the rope is the right size for you, and you're in the right position, the rope should contact the ground in the right spot. And what was that spot? Mm. A shoe inches. length in front of you, right? Yeah. About a shoe 10 inches in front of you. So now all you got to focus on is bring the rope around, get into position, do a nice tall bound, make the rope touch the ground. So if you know the rope's touching the ground, that's when you should be out of the way, right? And then you start mm. setting your timing up. Okay, rope's on the ground, I should be in the air. Ropes in the air, I should be on the ground. Ropes on the ground, mm. I should be in the air, right? You're just, you're swapping. So um, once you just simplify things down so that people have actionable, you know, drills and progressions, it, it, they're very easy. Uh, we tell people double unders should be as easy as an air squat because it doesn't take a lot of athleticism. You just have to mm. understand timing and then develop your coordination. So um, yeah, so, so did, did I answer your question about donkey kicks? That was perfect. You nailed it. And selfishly, that brings us to then, surely you have easy progressions for the double under crossover. I want to know as well, you were talking about how you're an OG of CrossFit and the CrossFit Games. Did you know they were going to be included before that event was announced? Did you have conversations with the programmers or was that a surprise to you as well? So there's a yes and a no to that answer. Yes, I had conversations with the programmer. No, I had no idea that they were going to be in. So I'll tell you a little bit of, of my history. I, for years, I've been um, trying to influence whoever is running the game. So for years, it was Dave Castro. And uh, years ago, I started sending Dave Castro, our, our Zeus rope is a half pound jump rope, only in the cable, only in the cord. The handles are normal handles. Mm -hmm. And it's such a great experience for people to train with right it's it's a, it's a fantastic tool and so i would send it to dave castro's house i got his address because i have a lot of friends that worked at crossfit got his address <laughs> mailed it to his house with a nice little note dave i think you should try this i think it would be awesome in the games you know i did this multiple times um and finally in um late 2015 early 2016 Dave was uh, Dave was trying to drop into every California, every Southern California affiliate and doing a workout. It was called the TDC drop-in. I don't know if you guys remember that. We had it in Sydney. Oh, cool. Very cool. He came to Sydney. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was impressive. So he made a, a goal 
that he was going to drop into a regular class at all at the time at the time back then in 2015 2016 there were 90 affiliates just in San Diego San Diego County wow. okay so he dropped into every single one of them at the time uh, our headquarters at RX Mark here we have a, a dedicated gym a fully stocked dedicated gym that we do all of our you know demos and media and, and you know lunch workouts whatever um, and so for a period we were paying an affiliates fee to be an affiliate so he reached out and said hey I've got it you're an affiliate I've got to drop in I said great I'm ready for you so he came in and the same heavy rope that I'd been sending to his house um, we did a workout with it and and he was he was it was a great experience Dave was awesome he was super receptive super coachable and the workout we did was you know uh, kind of an Annie style 50 40 30 20 10 unbroken with this half pound Zeus oh. and he did he did fabulous right I mean he'd never really jumped with that before uh, and he did really well with it and he was very receptive to coaching that I gave him and when he was done you know he, he asked us he goes why why do you he goes that was great but why do you why do you jump with heavy ropes and why are you you know trying different things and and I said well Dave it's, it's CrossFit it's constantly varied we're supposed to be changing these things up and that goes for your jump rope too and he he felt kind of silly he's like duh yeah you're right so that year uh at the you know, 2016 in the games they introduced the heavy rope for the first time and unfortunately it wasn't our rope rogue <laughs> said hey great idea we're going to use rogue's rope and they put our their rope in the in the games and um and, and so that was really cool and and dave gives us credit for giving him the influence to you know to do it so so he's kind for doing that and then I did the same thing with the drag rope in 2021. I kept sending them to his house. This is a great tool. It'll stump people. And um, this time he tried it and he reached out to me and said, we're going to use it. And they put it in the 20, the 2020, that was the COVID year. So that was when all of the games athletes had to, you know, perform online. And then the mm -hmm. top five went to the ranch. So they put it into the online portion. And um, so here we go again. I'm, you know, we're coming out with the beaded rope. Our beaded jump rope is called the Frivo, which is the, the perfect rope to practice crossovers and rope. We call them rope manipulations, right? Anything other than just a straight single, double, triple. Um, and I ran into Adrian Bosman at one of the semifinals in Tennessee. And I, I pulled him aside. I said, Hey, I really think you should consider double unders with a cross or crossover double unders, whatever you want to call them. Um, because I know that you, you're a little reluctant to put in triple unders because judges might have a hard time judging them. So I think a double under with a cross will be easier to judge. Um, I think it's a much more beautiful movement. Somebody who can do it really well, it's a beautiful movement. Um, and, um, and, I, and, and I think athletes can pick it up. And his expression was just very bland. He said, yeah, you make very good points. Thanks. You know, we'll, we'll take that into consideration. And, uh, and I gave him one of our ropes, you know, to go play around with. Um, and then, and that was it. So, so fast forward and usually the way these things go down is CrossFit will put workouts on their .com, the main.com site. And that's when they'll introduce some skills, new skills. That's what they, they did with triple unders for years. They would put triple unders in the .com workouts. And then, and then there were times that they even asked for people to send them videos. Hey, do this workout with triple under, send us your videos. And I know because they were trying to examine it to see if they could judge it. How were people doing at it? Were they getting it? Um, so I thought that's what they might do with that skill if they did anything at all. So when it showed up in the event, completely knocked my socks off. I did not expect that at all because that was a total stumper. Um, and so, but I was excited. I was super stoked for it because they literally had to figure things out unless they knew how to do it. Um, and what I, you know, so like Brent Fikowski, um, I don't, I don't know Brent very well, but he could do them very well. Uh, I had other athlete friends tell me like, oh, Brent's amazing at him. He used to do them in volleyball a lot. And he, he put up a video showing, showing them and he, he looks fantastic. Um, but I got the opportunity to spend time with Laura Horvath and I taught Laura how to do them. And I wanted Laura to be in that final heat so badly because she <laughs> would have gone unbroken. She would have just ripped through those and looked like a rock star. 
But then everybody would have said we cheated probably because <laughs> I taught her how to do them like, you know, a month, a month and a half prior to the games. And I put it all mm. on my social media. Hey, check out Laura. She learned the new skill, right? You know, I put it out there. Like I didn't have anything to worry about, you know, and um, cause, cause we had nothing to do with it. They didn't tell me they were going to do it. Um, so anyway, so then after the event was over, I emailed Adrian and I said, Hey, I just got to know, did I, did I in give you the idea to do crossovers? And he said, no, I already had that workout completely drawn up with crossovers, but he said, I just wasn't sure about them. And when I met you at, in Tennessee and you made such an impassioned push for them, he goes, that gave me the confidence that it was the right time to go for it. So I have a little bit of, little bit of nudging in there that, that helped, but it wasn't my idea. It was his idea. And it was just really lucky timing for me, honestly. So yeah, we're stoked. Oh, I'd take it. I'd take it. I wanted to ask you about the rope. So um, on this podcast, we've spoken in previous weeks about never wanting to come across a skill that we can't do. And so as soon as I went to the games and saw all these athletes struggling, um, I'm a marketer's dream. So I bought the Freebo. <laughs> and I want to ask you, um, I want to ask you, so I definitely haven't got them down pat, but when I got the rope, I can kind of do a double undercross, then a single double undercross and kind of string like 10 or 15 together. But what is it about the rope? Because I feel like I'm, this might sound a bit sillier, but that I'm almost in, in control a little bit more. Is it the sound? Is it the weight? What is it about that rope that it's helping me get that skill? Yeah, I think it's simply the weight and that it moves a little slower. Right, it has a little bit more air drag, uh, or probably a lot more air drag than a cable. You know, even a even a three ounce cable, um, it has more air drag, so it slows things down. And that's how we want to learn things, right? So even with a crossover, that's one of our first, you know, big cues is listen. Just like for a double under, and we want people to bound higher with good technique, good form, bound higher to allow their rope speed to slow down so that they can start you know, setting up their timing better, be more relaxed in their arms and their shoulders. Um, same thing with a crossover. It's like bound higher, make the movement slower, slow the movement down. And um, really it's just gaining coordination with your, your hands and your arms, right? So what a lot of people aren't realizing is that when you're, I'll try and show it here. When you're doing regular forward single unders or double unders, your hands move in this fashion, okay? Well, the minute you cross them to the other side, they have to turn and go the other way. Now they're mm. moving the opposite direction, right? So that the rope is still moving the same uh, direction. And so, uh, and then one arm is layered over top the other arm. So it causes your hands to a lot of times be at different levels. So when, you're, when you have an axis of rotation that's tilted, that lets the rope slant into your feet. You know what I mean? And causes tripping. So you've got to learn how to layer your arms uh, over each other and kind of make you know, a nice X pattern, but keep your hands at the same level so that the rope can have a nice arc passing through your feet. Um, so the, one of the best things you can do, and again, we, uh, we suggest people size their, their, their crossover rope, size it like only about four inches longer. Give yourself two to four inches more length, but not more than that, um, because that's a, a big issue that people will use a super long rope. Mm. And then by doing that, you're gonna have the same issue. The rope's gonna hit the wrong spot on the ground and so when people start crossing, they're going to cross up high by their shoulders and you don't. All the crossing should be down below your elbows, right? So you, you don't want your rope to be too, too long. So that's really important. And then what we really, the best thing you could do is do crossed singles. So crossed singles means your arms, so you're going to start jumping, cross your arms and then stay there. Just stay there and keep doing singles as long as you can, right? So learn that coordination. Just like when you were learning regular single unders the first time, practice single unders that way and videotape yourself or watch your reflection in a mirror or window. See the balance of your hands. See what they're doing. Um, they should still be down by your pockets, right? Not up by your ribs. And, um, and build that dexterity. And once you get good coordination with that, then, then you start adding the, the crosses. And then the other thing too is uh, attempting your double under cross, try and do both 
unders that way, right? So you'll start off with, you know, it could be a regular single under as a prep. So you can go single under, big bound, cross and stay cross for both rotations, okay? And then just try and do, do connected double unders staying cross. So once you can do that, so it's really the, it's a harder skill to do, but it helps you start organizing your hands and, and gain coordination, uh, moving the rope backwards, right? Technically you're going backwards. And, and then crossing an opening will be much easier. Apart from anything, it's just so fun. Like a couple of days this week after my session's finished, I get the rope out, give it a go. You feel, and it also, as a coach, it reminds you what it's like to learn a new skill. Uh, so for those members oh, yeah. that you are coaching doing a double under, you know, we take for granted all of that time that we spent mastering this skill. And again, for a lot of us, you know, 50 double unders, you don't even blink and you just, that's, that's the part in right. the workout where you get to rest. But when you're incorporating these new levels or uh, this conversation has really challenged me, I've got a drag rope collecting dust in the cupboard. I never use it, <laughs> but you know, to get it out again and give it a go yeah. because yeah, continually yeah. playing and, and testing yourself and it keeps you entertained. It, it does. It does. I, you know. I, the funny thing is I've been crossfitting for so long and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to compete anymore. I'm not trying to, you know, get bigger lifts or, you know, I'm not going to get any better at CrossFit. Now I just CrossFit to stay, you know, healthy and stay fit so that I can surf and ride motorcycles and things like that. So CrossFit has become very redundant for me, right? I don't know how many more burpees and pull-ups and, you know, bar muscle-ups, you know, kettlebell swings. I've, I've done them all right. Like it's so yeah. Adding these new, new variations with a jump rope um, has been phenomenal because now being a beginner, more of a beginner, I mean, I've been training these things for now a, a year or so, like a year committed, like a real committed year or so before that I would just dabble with them. And, um, and it, and it makes the whole workout now about that skill that used to be so easy for me. Right. 100 double unders and I wouldn't even blink an eye, no problem. And I'm, you know, I'm decent. I'm not the best, but I'm decent. Uh, but now it's it's challenging. It's very challenging and it's fun. So what I was going to tell you to try and do, Britt, is a workout that has 50 double unders, do double unders, and every fifth one, try and make it across. So number five, make it across. Number 10, make it across. Number 15. And then, and try and get to where you can do all 50, you know, you get through a set of 50 unbroken and every fifth one was a cross and it just starts building your confidence, right? Cause you're connecting them. And then later, you know, you start connecting two in a row, two in a row, two in a row, and then you just add on from there. But it's a good way to get through a workout and make it challenging. Oh, you bet. I have to admit as like, as soon as we finish this podcast, I'm going straight into my home gym and I'm going to practice those drills with my arms crossed over. I'm so excited. We are like, we like just absolutely love challenging ourselves. We do a whole lot of like stuff with gymnastics and learning a new skill just and being able to share that with other people. I'm so passionate about that. So, but I think that love we, it. we've heard you say it before. We all have our own RX. Um, yeah. And I think this is a really cool concept as CrossFitters, we kind of become like fixated on RXing versus scaled, um, but it's, you know, it's all completely relative to where we are. How do you think we go about changing people's approach to that? Boy, you know, uh, I've learned that um, that's a, that's a, a lot of maturity, right? When people first come into CrossFit, mm -hmm. I, I, I watch people for years now come into CrossFit and, fall in love with it like the rest of us and just go, you know, head first. And then, you know, after a year, they drop off and I'll run into them later and, you know, at the store and say, Hey, you know, what happened to you? Like, why'd you stop? Yeah. You know what? I just, uh, I'm too competitive and I was going too hard and, and I kept trying to RX all the workouts and I started getting hurt and getting injured. And, and that's kind of the, that's the knock on CrossFit is that people can, can get injured. And usually it's people doing it to themselves, right? It's, it's, it's usually not the coaches that are saying, do another rep, right? They're seeing them try and press out uh, a snatch or whatever. You can do one more. You got it in you. It's not the coach that's doing that. It's the athlete who's just trying to get that extra rep, right? So um, it takes a lot of maturity on, the, on the, uh, the athlete's part and also on the coach's part to really set the right the, the you know frame of mind in that listen 
you, you, you've got your, your journey is a lot. You want it to be as long as possible. Fitness is the marathon. You never want to get to the finish line because that means you're in a coffin, right? So, so you need to take your time and, you know, do things right, learn things properly and, and try and keep yourself healthy. That's the whole point of it. And so it took me a lot of years to, to come to that maturity because my first five years in the CrossFit, I was extremely competitive, uh, you know, trying to qualify to regionals. Back then, they didn't have masters when I started. So I was, you know, in my 40s, you know, qualifying to regionals with all the young studs. And so, and I beat myself up trying to do it. And so now, like to, to your point, I'll, for, for months now, I've been doing workouts with only single unders, right? Like if it has double unders, I do single unders. But guess what? I'm doing cross open single, cross open, cross open. Just, just, just trying to get better and more efficient at that skill. And guess what? I don't get an RX on the on the on the board. And I'm the first one to yell yell to my coach, "Hey, I finished in you know 25:15, no RX." I don't care because mm -hmm. I had an objective that I was trying to you know work on. So um, it really takes a lot of maturity on the athlete, and it takes the coach to set the right mentality. And now. Anybody new that comes to the gym, I, I try and take them under my wings and I always stress to them, listen, don't chase anybody. Y your job is to get sweaty and learn to move. Just learn to move. So let's lighten the weight. Let's lower the reps, whatever we need to do based on your fitness level now. And let's take our time. Let's do it right, you know, so that you can have a long, you know, successful history, you know, in CrossFit. So, um, yeah, so it, it, people can do it. It's fun. And when you take all that pressure off, oh my gosh, it's amazing. I love cheering for my friends. I'll, I'll go slow in a workout if I feel like it. And I'm happy to cheer for my friends and help them go faster, you know, and try and put up a good time. Like that's great, you know, or cheer them on for a heavy lift, whatever it might be. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. I love that approach. Love it. Dave, we're so appreciative of your time. And I know just like Riz, I'm pretty inspired to kind of not only try all these new skills, but also to critique myself as a double under aficionado. But before we leave, we just want to know, is there a moment after a decade or so in the game, an ultimate gym fail where it didn't all go to plan? Yes, absolutely. So um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, there used to be a competition in Southern California California used to be the mecca of CrossFit because there were just it's where it, it's where it originated and there were so many gyms um, and so there were a lot of uh, competitions. One of them was called the OC Throwdown. And the OC I've heard Throwdown, about this. I'm friends with Tommy Marquez and he was telling me all about it. That it was just crazy. I wonder if you're going to talk about the hurdles. No, I didn't compete that year. We were, <laughs> I was, I had a team competing that year. I had, it might've been like Neil Maddox and Jen Smith. And we had some, we had some uh, games athletes competing there and, and we were just there as a sponsor. Yeah. The hurdles were a huge bust. I mean, yeah, there were so <laughs> many things over the years, each year that that event went on. Um, there was something, obviously Kevin Ogar got injured at one of them. Uh, the hurdles were a big one. There was always kind of something that was, um, you know, destined to make that event fail, which is too bad because the venue was great. The attendance was great. The weather was great. I mean, all other factors were fantastic except for the people who ran it and programmed it. There were just too many, too many, uh, you know, weird, weird occurrences. So, or poor choices, I should say. Um, so, so fortunately mine wasn't due to any of that. Uh, but I was competing <laughs> In the, in the Masters, uh, the Masters, this was in 2013, I was competing in the Masters, and one of the workouts um, had, it had multiple parts to it, and it had a barbell component, there were like three different parts to this workout, and you had a barbell component that you had to move the barbell with you, you know, through this, this workout, and the barbell had 100, 165 pounds for men, and, you know, we had to do like front squats with it, uh, at one portion of it. I think yeah, front squats and then as you and then some other movements and then when you get kind of towards the tail end, you had to do clean and jerks with it. Uh, I think it was I don't remember what the rep scheme was. But we had to do clean and jerks. Long story short, um, it, it my grip I didn't realize was getting really fatigued. And then 
but you had to um, do rope climb. And there were 20 foot rope climbs. They had a really n nice um, concert structure, you know, kind of like a rogue rig, or, but it was really a concert structure, but it was 20 feet high. And we had 20 foot rope climbs and, and you, had to do, you had to do so many rope climbs. And what was, I think at the end, we had to do five rope climbs with feet, with your feet. And um, my, my grip had gotten so smoked that I, I found myself in second place on that workout. And I was surprised because I thought I'm not a strong guy. So I thought I'm going to do horrible at this event. But I ended up doing better than I thought. And I was at one point tied for first with another buddy of mine who went on to be a, a multi-year games athlete. Uh, and he and I were kind of going head to head. And then he got a little ahead of me on the barbell. And I thought, okay, just hang on to second place. And then after the barbell, we had to start climbing the rope and I was in second place and I was hoping to maintain second place. Well, my grip had gotten so fatigued that on the third out of five rope climbs, um, I was two feet from the top and I couldn't climb any higher. I literally, I mean, I was too far away to reach and touch the top. You know, I needed to like inch my legs up and get a couple more a couple more, uh, you know, pushes to get to the top. But the minute I tried to release my footlock and pull my knees up, my hands would slide. I would go down. I just, oh. I literally couldn't grip myself. And so I had a really great footlock and I was wearing lift, lift, lifters at the time too, but I had a really good footlock on the rope. And so I, I just kind of like hung on the rope with my elbow and I'm shaking out my hands and I'm looking down at my coach and we're, we're laughing at each other and I'm just shrugging. I said, I can't go up. And I'm just trying to rest my hands. I'm <laughs> stretching them. I'd switch over the rope to this elbow and I'm just shaking it out, stretching this hand. And I'm, you know, and then the announcer uh, kept saying, well, Newman's been on the rope for a long time now. Like he's not going anywhere. <laughs> it was, it was comical. And yeah. And so I, I was, I don't know how long I was up there. I wish somebody could find a video. I'd love to see how long I was up there, but I didn't, I didn't want to come down. So I stayed up there trying to rest, stretch out. And then I tried to climb, you know, again, and I just kept slipping. Every time I tried to move my feet up, my hands would slide down. And so I ultimately started, you know, just sliding down, bringing myself down and, um, and, and could never make it back up again before time ran out and uh, somebody else caught up to me. So I ended up being tied for third, uh, cause somebody else caught up, <laughs> but, uh, so that was my big, that was my big fail, like in front of a massive audience and, uh, you know, up, up high, uh, you know, in the perch, but it was, it was a fun time. I had a good time. So. I love the commitment though. I feel like if, you know, if there was a chance you were going to get that rope climb, you'd still be up there, you know? <laughs> absolutely. Oh, absolutely. It just, you can't be that close and come all the way back down. Like, you know, there's just no reason for it. And I, and I yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. So, so from that day, I've been always, I've always been trying to discover if that ever happened again, how else could I get up that rope? If I don't have enough grip strength anymore, how else could I somehow hang on to the rope, you know, do some kung fu, kung fu grip on the rope so that I could <laughs> bring my feet up. So I, I've, I've become a connoisseur of rope climb. We actually teach a rope climb workshop now because uh, I, I created a new teaching tool and I love all the different variations. There's four different foot locks that people don't know about. They only know about two. But there's actually four. And, and we teach all of them, introduce all of them to people so they can kind of, you know, figure out which one they like better. And, um, and so we teach rope climb workshops as well. Um, but I haven't figured out the grip issue. So yeah. I, feel like I was from... about to say, did you get anything? <laughs> What's that? I was about to say, did you find anything out? Did you have something that actually worked or were you just still figuring it out? I, ha I haven't. I have not. I've not ever gone to failure. I've, I've not gone to failure uh, on, a, on a rope climb since, since then. So uh, I haven't figured anything <laughs> out. Nope. Well, I feel like for all the gems that you've given us for double unders, we might have to get you on the podcast again and we'll do a whole episode on rope climbs. <laughs> Oh, let's do it. I love, I love rope to. climbs. Love <laughs> rope climbs. Yeah. I think there's plenty of takeaways in there for all kinds of athletes. But if you're anything like Riz and I and love your double unders, well, we've challenged each other to try and upskill over the next four weeks. 
I had to have a bit of a laugh when Riz sent me a video of her practicing her double unders just minutes after we jumped off our chat with Dave. But we've decided twice a week we want to give a few of those drills that Dave talked about a go. So whether it's drag rope double unders, single under crossovers, even watching our hands, that they're staying even and balanced. So at least once a week, we have to spend 10 minutes practicing our double under crossovers. Eventually, we want to see if we can master those 50 dubs unbroken where every fifth double under is a cross. We would love for you to join us. And if you do, or even found any of these tips helpful to mastering your double unders, let us know. Send us a video, tag us in all of your stories, all that jazz. Hit us up on the Points of Performance podcast Instagram, and we will see you all next week. Bye. 